I get this question all the time is what is the one characteristic you know, for everyone who's successful? And it is not what school did you go to? What was your education? What contacts did you have? How much did you raise? It's none of that. It is, can you deal with failure? Hey, you. Are you looking to build your dream business, be your own boss, and finally achieve work-life balance? Then you came to the right place. This is the I Make a Living podcast brought to you by FreshBooks. When we talk about work-life balance, we usually talk about self-care and taking time away from work to spend time with your family. But hear me out. What if you also incorporated the things that make you happy into your business rather than thinking of them as separate areas of your life? My guest today has done just that. J.J. Ramberg is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, and former host of MSNBC's popular program for small businesses called Your Business. Though J.J. is no longer hosting that show, her entrepreneurial spirit is still alive and well. Today, she's an angel investor and the founder of several companies. And last year, she launched Good Pods, a podcasting social media app that's landed JJ on Inc. Magazine's Female Founders 100 list. Here's JJ on the spark for this big idea. I would be ready to go out for a run and want to listen to a podcast. And then I would literally spend 20 minutes of maybe the 40 minutes I had to go running, kind of scrolling through thinking, what am I going to listen to? And my brother, who is my co-founder, and I thought, why isn't there just an easy place where I can go on, see what my friends are listening to, see what influencers are listening to, and press play? And so that's what Good Pods is. Think of it like Goodreads or Instagram or Twitter just for podcasts, where you get recommendations from people and just get to press play right there. But also my other inspiration to Mona was that I was a podcaster. So I spent over a decade as an anchor for MSNBC and I had a podcast. And I also knew that as a podcaster, word of mouth is the best way to get the word out about your show. And so we basically have digitized word of mouth for podcasters. It's so genius. It's like one of those ideas where it's like, duh, why didn't I think of that? But you also kind of have this special sauce, JJ. So it's not just that you developed a great product, but because of your experience, which you alluded to, you have a deep bench of people who would also vouch for your expertise. I will tell you, before I launched this company, before we even put, you know, the digital version of pen to paper, I went out and I spoke to, no joke, 700 people. I wish I could show you my Excel sheet. 700 people ranging from Malcolm Gladwell and, you know, the heads of these big podcast production companies all the way down to women who listen once a week to a podcast about dogs, right? Just to say, here's the problem I'm experiencing. What are the problems you're experiencing? And here's our solution. What do you think about it? And so when we actually went out to launch the app, I had all of these people to say, okay, I took your feedback and now we're ready to go. And then we were really fortunate because we launched a product that people liked. So for example, Kim Kardashian put it out on social. Alyssa Milano put it out on social. These were not paid placements. These were people who really enjoy the app and just you know, realize that there was nothing else out there like it. Talk to me about 
the launch of Good Pods. I know you're still pretty early into the process, but you know, you're doing okay. You you made Inc.'s annual female founders 100 list, like not a small feat. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. If I can also brag one other thing that I was very excited about is we were in Fast Company's most innovative companies list for social media this year too, which was really exciting for us given how crazy the year was. What did you learn through the launch of Good Pods? Are any things that you now in hindsight might have done differently? Well, I'll tell you the biggest thing that we learned this year, it goes back to launching in the middle of this pandemic because we were ready to go last March. And then obviously COVID, the quarantine, and the world was swirling if we can just take us back to then, right? So it was so scary. People were losing their jobs. People we knew were getting sick. Terrible things were happening around us. And we had to, as a team, sit down and say, do we actually put good pods out into the public? Is this the time? Is this an inappropriate time to be launching this? We've been working on it for a long time, but is it right? And so we had to do some real soul searching and have some big conversations with each other and say, can we do this? And we decided it had been out there to a very small group, including ourselves. So we had been users and we went and we reached out and talked to that group also. And we decided actually Good Pods has been really helpful to us because it's been a way that we've connected with people as we're all locked down. I would see what my best friend is listening to and then feel connected to her because I got that. Or I just got a great recommendation, which was really helpful when I was up at three in the morning and looking for something to listen to. And so we ended up launching Good Pods in a pretty small beta, even still beta back then. But it was it was a very good lesson because we had to redo everything. All of our plans had to get redone. But in the end, I I think it worked out for us. That is tricky. My team and I have this conversation like when there are terrible things happening in the world, we think if we have something planned, do we move forward? Do we hold back? And like, unfortunately, it seems that maybe this is just like the nature of social media now, but it just seems like, well, there's something horrible happening every day. And like, if you are doing something that helps people's lives, there might be other people who can benefit from it, especially in a world where with podcasting, I know we've been able to maintain community. And so many other people really need that, really crave that connection right now. That is exactly where we landed, is that we were creating community and creating a way for people to connect with each other. Yes, exactly. And solving a problem that that a lot of people really had. It's clear that JJ is passionate about finding simple solutions to the small things that make a big difference, like bringing friends closer together through shared podcast listening. Above and beyond that, she has also built some easy ways for anyone, anywhere, to donate to important causes. Talk to me about Good Shop. You founded Good Shop over 10 years ago. How has that evolved? So Good Shop is a mission-driven coupon company where you can get the best coupons for basically every online store. And a percentage of what you spend goes back to your favorite charity, your favorite cause, or yourself. You can get cash back as well. So I mentioned before, we've donated more than $13 million to causes. We just launched an offshoot of this company called Search Kibble, which is exciting. And what it is, is a search engine. It's powered by Bing. And every time you do a search, 
you're raising money for shelter pets or you're raising kibble so that no shelter pet ever goes hungry. Every time you do a search, two pieces of kibble go to a shelter to feed the animals in their care. And our donation partner is Adopt-A-Pet, so we work with them. That, to me, we just launched it really exciting because it's a way for people to just do good while they're sitting at their computer doing what they already do, which is search the internet all day. And we started this now in large part because of the pandemic, where shelters have just not been getting the donation money that they need, that they have other years. And so we really make it our mission that no shelter pet ever goes hungry. I get the problem part. I'll just ask you like a a noob kind of question. How do you make money on that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it is very straightforward, Search Kibble. So when you do a search, no matter what search engine it's on, the first couple of listings are ads, right? So we redirect portion of that ad money over to the shelters. That seems simple enough. Yeah, it's it's so simple and it doesn't change your behavior whatsoever. You're still doing a search, but that's why also the dollars raised are unlimited because there will always be ads on search engines. I'm curious about the technology element of it all. You mentioned you have an MBA. You obviously have a lot of experience in talking to entrepreneurs and starting companies and investing in companies yourself. But sometimes the actual process of building new technology can be more daunting than just like, I'm going to start a brick and mortar business or, you know, I'm going to offer this product. You're like literally building a piece of technology that didn't exist before. Not only building it, but building it and then continuing to build it and continuing to build it and continuing to build it. Right. I worked in television. I would have a 10 minute piece. We would put it together and then we would put it to bed, right? It's done. Not with technology. We are constantly changing things on good pods, adding new things, adding new features, seeing what people like, what they don't like, getting rid of old features. It is an ongoing process. If there were one thing that I would have done differently in my life, I guess I still can, but I would learn how to program. Not that I definitely want to be on the engineering team on good pods, but it would be helpful to know their language a little more. I mean, luckily we work with amazing people, so they do all the translating and product managers, et cetera. But it would be great to have a better understanding, I have to say. And I think kids who are coming up now will do that because they'll learn how to program in school. But there's always that line, JJ, between I want to know enough where I can communicate to the people doing each individual role. But is it worth knowing so much where it takes over your brain and then it's maybe not the thing that you should be focused on as a founder, right? Yeah. Well, look, this is our second tech company. So I started more than a decade ago. So I think I've learned enough now after all of these years to be able to communicate. So that is true. I have, I've learned the language. I, I understand limitations. I used to say, I want to do this and think there's no way they can build that. And surprise, the team could build it. Or I'd say something of like, of course you can build this. And they couldn't because it was like brain surgery. I think I understand enough to have a sense of how it all works well enough that I feel like I'm a good boss around this. When you support your employees and give them the tools they need to work through their limitations, it empowers them to do their best. Couple that with a company-wide investment in your community, and you have a team with a true sense of purpose. 
JJ gleaned a lot of insights as the host of Your Business, the MSNBC show that kept small business owners informed at a time when gatekeeping was more prevalent in the entrepreneurship community. Back then, there was nothing on TV like it, right? There was no Shark Tank. There was nothing about entrepreneurship. Now, Shark Tank is quite different than what we did, but I just think that the media hadn't caught up to the idea that running a small business is hard and it can be lonely and it can be scary and there are lots of ups and downs. And so our show became the place where people felt understood. And so I was hosting the show the same time I was building my other company and I was as much the audience as I was the host. And so I knew what the second question should be, right? Not just you know, what do I do if I have an employee who's bringing in 50% of revenue, but is terrible for our culture? Right? I could then ask the follow-up question because they were all things that I was dealing with. What were some of the, like, you must have noticed some patterns, some mistakes among small business owners and entrepreneurs, and then also some patterns of success that would lead someone to get to be in that chair on your business talking with you? What were some of those that you noticed? I get this question all the time is what is the one characteristic you know, for everyone who's successful? And it is not what school did you go to? What was your education? What contacts did you have? How much did you raise? It's none of that. It is, can you deal with failure? the number one thing that successful people can do is deal with failure. And we all hear this, you know, you have to be able to deal with failure and failure is a good thing, et cetera. When you're going through it, by the way, it's no fun. And that can be the failure of a business. It could be the failure of a launch. It could be the failure of hiring the wrong person. All of those things happen all of the time. And you need to be able to say, okay, that happened. Let me move forward. Yes. And you have to be able to risk because I sometimes see that people aren't willing to push the envelope enough. If you haven't pushed enough, then you're probably not failing enough. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I mean, yes, you have to be able to take risks. You have to go out on a limb and you have to really be okay with it. Not have your ego so wrapped up, not let it just destroy you. I spoke to this guy who ran a soap factory. This was long ago here in the U.S. In one day, literally a day, more than 50% of his revenue disappeared because his biggest distributor went to a supplier who had cut the prices too low. He couldn't match with it. More than 50%. And he said, all right, that day I went home, I cried to my wife, And I thought I'm destroyed. And the next morning I woke up and said, okay, now what do I do? That is hard to do. It is a particular kind of personality who cannot just hide under the covers, but just says, okay, now what do I do? And he turned his company around. Necessity is the mother of invention. And sometimes if you don't get pushed to that point, you don't know what's on the other side. And having such a successful show, I'm curious, what pushed you to move on from MSNBC and then start another company yourself? Because when you've you've seen the ups and downs, sometimes then it just makes you go, oh, maybe... Maybe I don't want to play that game, but you did. Maybe it's time to just go get a job. (laughs) Um, I have entrepreneurship in my blood. Both of my grandfathers, my father, my husband, my brother, my mother, 
I think it really comes from my mom. My mom was a stay-at-home mom who didn't have a paying job until her late 40s and then started what became an incredibly successful company. And so I think I just watched it firsthand how incredibly fun it can be. And so when I had this idea for Good Pods with my brother, it just seemed natural. This is our second company together, his third. His first company was with my mom and, as I said, really successful. But it just seemed natural when we had this idea to say, oh, let's go try it. Let's go build a team and build this company and see if we can make it work. So we did the same thing with our first company where we we almost don't even think about it, right? We say, oh, this is cool. Let's go do it. And then start doing the research to make it happen. But by then the ball is already rolling. <laughs> and, and that's what happened again with Good Pods. We were just excited about the idea and found that other people were as well. That must be very interesting working with your brother. I I could see it being a double-edged sword to work with someone who knows you so well, but also (laughs) to work with someone who knows you so well. What are some of the challenges that you've faced working with a sibling or some of the benefits that, that maybe you didn't realize were there before? In our particular case, it's all benefits. And I know it sounds fake when I say this, And if I were on your side, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, she's covering it up, right? There's lots of problems. (laughs) She's just just hiding them. Tell me the real story. (laughs) She doesn't want to tell the audience. Um, But in our case, he's the best partner to have. He's my big brother. He's five years older than me. He had already founded and launched a very successful company before. So I had so much to learn from him. But he had a lot to learn from me, too, because I had all these experiences in media, et cetera, that he didn't have and connections because I went to business school. And and so we work well together. And I think with us, the reason it works so well and with Good Pods, we actually brought in my sister, too, who's another Stanford MBA and the smartest person I know. I think because we are more than just business partners, we care so deeply about each other. And so in general... Ken's success is my success. My success is his. And that's not just a business success, but with his kids, with his life, with, and my sister too, with everything. And so if he has to go do something else, I understand it. His life matters to me as much as his work does and vice versa. And somehow that makes it all work for us. Mm. And you mentioned that this runs in your family and you've written a couple books. One, It's Your Business, 183 Essential Tips That Will Transform Your Small Business, but also a children's book, The Startup Club. You mentioned your your brother's kids. You also are a mom of three kids? Three kids, yep. So this is very curious to me because I do hear, having hosted this, this show now for three seasons, I do hear this as a theme among a lot of entrepreneurs, that it is really passed down, that entrepreneurial spirit and that drive. And I'm curious to know what you think is important to pass on to the next generation about entrepreneurship, about business skills that you want for the next generation to know. What we try and do is just talk about things around the dinner table. And so whether my kids turn out to be entrepreneurs or not, I have no idea. There's there's so many interesting things that kids can do. But I like the idea of having some familiarity with language and understanding the ups and downs. So my husband is an architect. I was journalists and have these companies. And I really bring my kids along on all of these journeys, especially the past year where they have literally been in every meeting right next door in the room next door. But 
so that they can see sometimes things work brilliantly and sometimes things do not work as you planned them to be, so that they get comfortable with the idea of, hey, let me throw out this idea and let me see if it works and let me be comfortable, let me not be embarrassed about brainstorming, right? Let me know that who knows what the next big idea is, but the only way we're going to know is by talking about it and testing it and seeing if it works. But I want them to feel really comfortable with themselves in generating ideas and trying things and being okay if they don't work. That's a really important skill to learn and something I hope to pass on to my kids as well, that experimentation and willingness to dream. I think that that dream gene gets sucked out of us so early <laughs> that it's really important to continue to to infuse that because I do find that it's helpful in entrepreneurship. You have to be able to say, what if? Like, what if we did this? Just going to say that louder for the people in the back. You don't need an MBA to be a successful entrepreneur. Even if you are just starting out on this journey, you can learn entrepreneurship at any age. Get comfortable with failure, learn the lingo, and keep the dream alive. That's how you'll succeed. Here's what we learned from JJ. Do your research. JJ spoke to 700 people about their podcasting and social media needs. Fun fact, I was one of them. Then she was able to deliver a solution to those same 700 people. That's a built-in user base. Work with a partner who you can trust with a proven track record. It doesn't have to be your family, and for most people, it probably shouldn't be. No matter the size of your business, you are in a position to make a difference for those around you. Download Good Pods in your app store and check out Search Kibble for internet searches with a purpose. The I Make a Living podcast is brought to you by FreshBooks. Balancing your books, client relationships, and business isn't easy. FreshBooks gives you the info and time you need to focus on your big picture, your business, team, and clients. Right now, you can go to freshbooks.com slash podcast and take advantage of an exclusive offer for our listeners. And while you're at it, check out all the resources made available to you through our show notes. Our executive producer is Francisco Erzmendi. Editorial and content producer is Leo Shell Villanueva. Our audio engineer and composer is James Morris. And I'm Damona Hoffman, producer and host. You can follow me at Damona Hoffman and FreshBooks at FreshBooks on all of the social platforms for more tips, tools, and resources. Because it's your business. We'll be back on Thursday with JJ's Nerdisode about how to bring philanthropy into your daily workflow. See you on Thursday. <laughs>